this morning, I had thought about showing up in my tennis shoes, jeans, and a t-shirt, and maybe bringing the couch up here. Yeah, Duran's like, what? I thought about maybe bringing the couch up here and just kind of sitting down and having what we call a living room discussion. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Have you ever in a family say, okay, it's family, it's family discussion time, right? It's time for a living room discussion. And the more I thought about it, I thought, no, I'm probably not going to go in that direction. But the thing is this. The message this morning is extremely personal for me. And I believe that before God preaches anything through me to you, he first preaches it to me, right? I can't preach it to you unless God preaches it to me first. So before we get into the word this morning, let's pray over the message. Lord, I thank you for the message this morning. I thank you not only something that was deeply spoken to me, but I believe it's for the church. I believe it's for all those who are watching and listening this morning. It's for those who are thirsty in a dry land. Lord, I thank you for your mercies that are new every morning and your grace that falls and washes over us. I pray that as people hear the word this morning, they would not hear my words, but your words. And not my thoughts, but yours. Lord, I pray that they would have ears to hear and hold on to this message and that it may help them either now or in the future. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know that preaching is not for God? My preaching is, is for you. God isn't standing, isn't up there taking notes, right? He's like, well, I never heard that before. I'll use that someday. No, God's not doing that. God, listen, our worship time is directed towards God, right? Our prayer time is directed towards God. It's, it's when we give him praise and give him worship. My, the, the, the message is for us. It's for you. It's for me, right? And so God gives me the message, and I get to preach it to you. And sometimes, even as I'm preaching it to you, God is still preaching it to me. Most of the time, if not most times in preaching, I approach it from what's called an exegetical point of view. It's a fancy way of saying this. Uh, I usually, I like, to, I like to go verse by verse. I like to break it down. I enjoy breaking down scripture. I enjoy using insightful commentary. I believe it's a great way for believers to gain more of an understanding as to what God was saying then and what God is still saying today. Amen? Amen? How many enjoy the preaching. You don't have to say, like, oh, hey, hallelujah. But every so often, I like to dive into what's called topical preaching. Now, so topical means it focuses on a topic. So the topic may be anger, it may be suffering, it may be revival. It could be one of thousands of topics, right, Tim? One of thousands of topics. But in doing that, I also want to make sure that I'm preaching in context. Because that's important. We have to understand what the Word of God is saying and be faithful to it. The other aspect of preaching is, of course, that it's first preached to me. He preaches to me through other ministers' commentaries. He preaches to me through uh, 
articles and, and, and videos, and he, God preaches to me in all sorts of different ways, just like I pray God preaches to you, amen? I, want, I don't want the only preaching that you get throughout the week to be me. I hope that's not the only word that you get throughout the week. I hope that throughout the week there's articles and videos and there's other ministers who are ministering to you. This is your main church. This is the main place you come to for teaching and refreshment and revival. But you should also engage yourselves outside of the church, right? Throughout the week. So I love that God preaches to me through testimonies and we see stories of suffering and redemption. And and that, I love that. So I take what God has given me, and I have the privilege of preaching it to you. This week is a timely message, and I said this is in my own life. I'm mindful that you might not be in the same season I'm in. I really am. I'm mindful that that maybe the season I'm in is not the season you're in right now, but I promise you the day will come when you are in the same season I've been in. I promise you at some point in your faith life, you will have the same kind of season that I'm in. And I am prayerful that God will cause you to remember this message and then be uplifted by it. Amen? The message this morning is entitled, Water in a Dry Land. One of the great things about going to Israel in November uh, of, well, that was last year, right? Uh, November of last year, I went to Israel, and I remember being on the bus as we're driving out of Jerusalem and just seeing desert and desert and desert. I see some camels. I see some uh, nomadic people. I see goats, and, but mostly I just see desert. And we come to a place called En Gedi, and Getty is this oasis. It's this beautiful, lush area. There's plants and trees. There's goats and little, I don't know, they look like little beavers, but they're not called beavers. I forget what they're called. Uh, these little animals all over the place and, and waterfalls. In the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness, there's these waterfalls coming down. And, and people uh, kind of, uh, like we would go to the beach a lot of people there would go to En Gedi, and they spend the day there, and they have fun with their family. This morning, as I'm talking to you about water in a dry land, that picture of En Gedi is what kind of continues to show itself to me. I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's a personal question. You say, Pastor David, I don't know that I want to answer this question. Because it's a question that when pastors ask it, when preachers ask it, they expect an immediate answer. So the question this morning is this. How many of you want to be revived and refreshed in your faith? How many of you want to be revived and refreshed in your faith? Now, most of the time, a preacher or pastor would ask that question. They expect everybody to go, yeah, hallelujah, amen. Right? Everybody say amen. Oh, good. That's a good response. How many of you want to be revived in your faith? Hallelujah. Amen, right? But what happens when the season you're in is not filled with refreshing? What happens when the season you're in is not filled with revival? 
What if the season you're in, the journey that you're in, the place that you're in is a place of dryness? What's a, what happens when it's arid? When it's parched? What do you do when the place, the season that you're in is barren and bone dry? Because the thing is this, you love the Lord, you have faith in God, you have, you have a longing for His presence, but you find yourself in what I call a spiritual rut. How many have ever been there? You love the Lord, you, you have a longing for His presence, but you find yourself in, I like to say it this way, maybe a spiritual funk. How many have ever been in a spiritual funk? I have. You find yourself in a dry land. You find yourself in need of refreshing and revival. So if you've ever been there, or if you are there now, or if you ever will be in the future, you should understand that you're in good company. You're in really good company. As we're talking about David in the wilderness and En Gedi, I want to take you to Psalm chapter 63. It says this. Verse 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Say no water. In a dry and parched land, David is in the wilderness. God, you are my God. He acknowledges, God, you're my God, and earnestly I seek you. He's not, it's just, it's not lip service, right? He's not pretending. Really, this is David's psalms to God. Is God, earnestly I'm seeking you, but I am in a dry and barren land. There is no water. Now, in this sermon and in this season, I can only speak for myself. Is that okay? I can only speak for myself. I hope it relates to you. I believe it will relate to you. I believe that there will be a time in your life when you're going through the same season. But for right now... There are seasons in my life where it seems like I am in a dry and parched land. There are seasons in my life where it seems to be barren. I find myself in that spiritual rut or spiritual funk. My mood is weary and dry. I feel my spiritual journey is stagnant. And if left unchecked, if left in that condition, it can, it can become a poison to our souls. In my neighborhood growing up, we had a, uh, my, my house, my parents' house, I should say, was in a neighborhood, and about a quarter mile away was a creek. So at the bottom of two hills was a creek that would run through, and it came from the large lake, and this creek came through, and we would spend our summers at that creek. And winters, we would have frozen, we'd go all the time we were over there, me and my friends. A buddy had built a, a swing that you'd get running down the hill and you'd jump on the swing and you'd fly out over the creek. Sometimes you fell off the swing. Just beyond the creek, where we spent all of our time, and there's tadpoles and there's all sorts of stuff, had fun with. Just beyond that creek was a pond. And that pond 
was interesting because it was filled with frogs and, and lily pads and filled, seemed to be brimming with life. But there was no in, there was no water coming into the pond. It was stagnant. Now, except for the rain and the snow that would fall every once in a while, then you'd see more life in the pond. But, but if there's no rain or no snow, if it was really hot, during the summer it got really hot, there was no rain, pretty soon if you got near the pond, you could smell a stench. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. If you got near the pond, you could smell this kind of putrid stench coming from it. It was sulfurous, right? It was stinky. It was, if it was left that way for too long, if there was no rain for too long, the life in the pond would begin to die. Listen, when there is no fresh rain in our lives, we become stagnant and stinky in our faith. Where there is no fresh water, where there is no revival, there is no life. Listen, what emanates from our soul is a poison to ourselves and those around us when there is no fresh rain coming down. How many know we need fresh rain in our lives? Amen? How many know we want revival in our lives? Now, there are many times in our spiritual lives, now I have to be careful, I took a drink last week and I mistook it for the uh, microphone. So, I don't want to do that this week. There's a weird thing that my wife still makes fun of me about. <laughs> How many know that sometimes we can pinpoint why our lives are dry? Right? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we don't have to guess as to why our spiritual lives are dry. We can pinpoint it. Sometimes the dryness is our own cause. It's not a season issue, it's a sin issue. Right? We've ignored spending time with God's word. We've gotten caught up in temptations and lusts. We've gotten caught up in things that we know we're not supposed to do and we're doing anyway. So it's not a season we're in, it's a sin we're in. And that draws us away from God. It causes dryness. And we get to a place of, of dryness and we get there, we, we finally at some point, hopefully and prayerfully, come to a place of God, I need you. I need to feel you in my life. I need to feel your intimacy in my life. And so we repent of that sin and we move forward in righteousness, right? But what if the issue isn't sin, it's just the season? God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. David is earnestly seeking God. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you but he's in a dry and weary and parched land, right? Now, you say, Pastor David, I, I, we've all been there. I've all been, we've all been to those places where it's dry because of our sin, right? But when there's no blatant sin issue, and it's just you feeling thirsty and weary, what do you do? What do we do when there's no blatant sin issue? Because if there is, we, we get, you know, get, repent, come to the altar, pray forgiveness, and then move forward in righteousness, right? 
But what about when there's no blatant sin issue? You're just weary. You're just tired. You're just thirsty. Some ministers throughout the years have some words that I found to be very helpful. In 1723, there was a man named Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was the leader of a great revival. And as he was writing, he was writing down some resolutions he had in his spiritual life. How many of us, maybe it's a good thing to, to have some resolutions in our life, right? How many, uh, how many have a New Year's resolution? No? Anybody, raise your hand. You have a New Year's resolution? Anybody had one this last year? You went, oh, New Year. Anybody? Nobody? Bueller? Tim, thank you. I had a, you know, sometimes we have New Year's resolutions. How many know uh, most times they don't last too long, right? I was, I remember... I was at, man, this is back in college. I wanted to fast. I was like, I felt convicted about fasting. I wanted to fast. So I was like, I was resolute. I was like, okay, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to fast for like 10 days. Only water. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm pumped up. Mm -hmm. I'm a super Christian, Mm, right? So I started the fast, and I think like a day in, I grabbed a cookie or something. I don't remember what it was. But it was like just, just it was a normal behavior. It was, it was not even like something that I was even thinking about. I might have grabbed a chip or something. I put it in my mouth. And I'm, oh, no. My resolution. Thank you, Eli, for laughing at that. It's always good when your kids laugh at your jokes. John Edwards had resolutions for his spiritual life. Here's what he wrote in 1723. Re- righteousness resolved frequently to renew the dedication of myself to God that was made at my baptism. Let me read that again. Resolved frequently to renew my dedication to God, which was made at my baptism. He went on to say this, that he found refreshment that he found that renewing dedication when he had communion or fellowship with the church. He said, when I have communion and fellowship with the church, that's when I've renewed myself. Exactly, Oliver. It's okay to have kids in here, right? We have kids in, it's okay. Then would be a distraction because they're so cute. That's okay too. Listen, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you examined your faith? It's a good question. When was the last time we examined our faith? David said this in Psalm 139. Uh, did Did I have it down here for 139 or no? He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, right? It helps me to know that the strongest in our faith dealt with issues. How many know the strongest people in our Christian faith, whether it's on the Abrahamic side or on the Judeo-Christian side, we look at all these different sides and we go, some of the strongest people in our faith struggled with some major issues. 
David seemed to deal with anxiety, and I'm sure he had plenty of reasons. Paul dealt with issues. Peter dealt with issues. Moses dealt with issues. Abraham dealt with issues. All these great leaders that we revere and put up as, as high people in our faith, and they all were human. They all had issues. None were perfect other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So if all of these guys have issues, they're human, we're human. How many know sometimes we can have issues? Right, Carol? Come on. Carol, you can raise your hand twice. Hallelujah. How many know that sometimes we have issues? Right, Doug? Where's Braxton? Where's Bryce? Where's Bryce? Back. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was going to pick on Bryce a little bit, but I don't need to. It's important for us to examine our faith, to renew our faith, to renew ourselves to God. How many know sometimes we just go on autopilot? How many know? Come on. Can't, this is why I wanted to have the couch here this morning. Can we just have a real discussion about our faith? How many know that sometimes we just go on autopilot? Just getting through the day. Just life is busy, and I get it. We understand life is busy, right? But we, we might have a routine. We might have a, we, we get up in the morning. We spend time with our families. We do this. We do that. We go on autopilot, and all of a sudden, a month has gone by, and we haven't have a, had any prayer. A month has gone by, and I haven't spent time in his word. And so you have these things that happen in our life, and we go on autopilot, and we just we seem to forget about our faith. And we end up in a dry and weary land. And so what we need is we need that fresh rain to come down. We need that fresh fire to blow through our lives. Our embers of salvation get down to where they're dwindling, and they need someone to cause that fire. Again, how many have ever been there? I've been there. We need a fresh wind this morning. We need some fresh rain this morning. Another reason, other than a sin reason or a season reason, another reason we may be in a funk or a rut is because maybe we've forgotten what God has done for us in the past. How many know it's important to remember what God has done for us. Deuteronomy 7, 9. I believe I have it on the slides there, Mikey. Is it on there? Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. If all God ever provided for us was salvation, how many know that would be enough? Right? How many know if that's all God provided to us was for salvation, for, for a reconciliation between us and him, that would be enough, right? But how many know that God has done so much more than that in our lives? God has done so much more. He has been so faithful in our lives. I think about my wife and I. I think about our story. I think we've been here now just, about five, just over five years. 
And I think about how faithful God has been to us. I think about how tremendously blessed our family is by this church. I think about how tremendously blessed we are considering where we were. David said this, he also said this in Psalm 139. Go to the next slide there, Mike. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is their sum. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. When you feel like you are in a dry and thirsty land, it's important to remember that the thoughts of God are on you. The thoughts of God are on you. Listen, he knew you. He formed you. He purposed you. He positioned you. He gave gifts to you that he didn't give to others. The Bible says that before I was in the womb, he knew me. He knit me. I wonder this morning if there's somebody here who doesn't understand the purpose they have. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't understand that they were created with purpose. That God has a mission for you. That God has a ministry for you. See, Pastor David, I don't feel it. It's okay. You don't have to. God positioned you. Do you think it's coincidence that I was born here in America? Anybody? Do we think it's coincidence that God has placed us where he has placed us in this time, in this season, in this generation, in this year? Because if we believe that God's hand is at work in our lives, then we have to acknowledge that he has put us in a place for a reason. And wherever you are, whatever job you're at, whatever school you might be going to, whatever position God has put you in, he has positioned you there to be a minister to those around you. And if you are in a dry and weary land, I have good news for you this morning Jesus said, come to me all who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. You say, I'm in a dry and weary land. That's okay, you need some fresh rain. I'm in a dry and weary land. That's okay, you need refreshing. You need revival. It's what we all need sometimes. It's what the church needs, amen? I want the presence of God to come in and, and through and show up and show off in this place but I want them to do it so that you can take that with you. You can take that fire with you to where you work and where you go to school and with your family and with your friends. It's not just here for you to hold on to and keep, and, and this little light of mine, I'm going to hide it under a bushel, right? Come on. How many know that this little light of mine? 
I'm going to let it shine. It's an old song. You guys don't know those songs anymore, do you? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We were explaining a children's, a kid's song, Zacchaeus. Remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he? My son didn't know that song. I thought, ah, oh. it's an old song, that's all right. Listen, you may figure it's just a stage I'm going through. It's just a stage I'm going through. It's just a phase I'm going through. This dry and weary land, this parched land, this, this place of emptiness, I just, I, maybe it's just a phase. I'll get through it eventually. I'll get through it eventually. Go to the next verse. Or the next slide, sorry. This is the first slide we started with. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. That is verse 1. And that's where we get started. But here's where David goes with it. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Listen to this. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Remember, David said this while he was in the wilderness. He said this while he was in a dry and parched land. He said, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I have beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. He's, he's praising him. He remembers the power and glory of God in the desert of his life. Charles Spurgeon said this. I love this. He said, learn from this. Learn from this. Do not say, I will get back into communion with God when I feel better. Do not say, I'll get back into communion with God when I feel better. But long for communion with God now. It is one of the temptations of the devil to tell you not to pray when you do not feel like praying. In that case, pray twice as much then. I just don't feel like it. I mean, you ever been there? I just don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like talking to people about Jesus. I just don't feel like it. Man, that's a temptation from the enemy. And the temptation is, well, when I feel better, that's when I'll do it. When that temptation comes our way, we should pray twice as much. This morning, I feel led to end the service in two ways. Jenny, if you'll come on up. The first is this. If you would stand this morning. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front or to to make a spectacle. or I'm not going to ask anything to be done out of manipulation or coercion. 
but I want to ask you all to take a minute, just a minute, and examine your hearts. Would you close your eyes this morning? Say, Pastor David, why don't we close your eyes so that you can pay attention, so that you can focus. I want you to focus on your soul. Focus on your relationship with God for a minute. As you're focusing on your relationship with God, pray that God would examine your heart. Say, maybe I'm in a dry land. I'm in a dry land, Lord. There's, I feel parched. I feel thirsty. I haven't felt your rain in a long time. I haven't felt revival in a long time. For some of you, maybe it's sin issues. Maybe there's sin issues in your life. Maybe you're dealing with anger or lust or resentment. Maybe you're dealing with any number of things. Jesus said, come to me who are thirsty and I will give you drink. Come who are weary and I will give you rest. Say, Pastor David, that's me. Pastor David, I am in a dry and weary land. I have issues in my life. If that's you this morning, could you do me a favor? Could you just raise your hand? You can put your hands down. You are in a dry and weary land and you're just longing for refreshment. I saw quite a few hands go up. If you would, let's pray together. Lord, we come before you. If you would repeat after me, Lord, we come before you. We have been in a dry and weary land. Lord, we need revival in this place. Lord, we need revival in our hearts. Lord, I need fresh rain to fall upon me. I need fresh wind and fresh fire. Lord, revive me with the water of life. Revive me by your spirit. And revive me with your presence. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And cast me not away from you. Renew my spirit this morning. Revive my spirit. I repent of my sin. Help me to move forward in righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. second thing I want to do today is take communion. You know, it's so good that when 
Paul talks about communion, he says, don't take it in an unworthy manner. So all of us who, who just prayed right now, we can come with clean hearts and clean, clean eyes and clean spirit, right? We can come and take communion in a worthy manner. 